0: I want to ask you to focus your attention for just a few moments to Matthew chapter 26, verses 20 through 22. We're going to read that again in just a moment. But I would like for you to put in your mind's eye, thinking back to being in that upper room on the night in which the disciples were celebrating the Passover. The Lord at that moment was also going to institute the Lord's Supper. Something that they would practice each and every Lord's Day following as the Lord's Church would begin. And you know, as you think about that, the gospel contains several passages where serious questions are asked. Questions that have eternal significance to them. Questions that relate to who I am and what I am going to do. Every one of us wants to think that when we face a spiritual challenge that we're going to be able to be strong enough to stand up to it and to meet that challenge and to face it and come through. Well, this lesson is going to look at the context of the question that the disciples ask of the Lord. Lord, is it I, is it me that is going to betray you? And I think we have to apply that. So we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at the conversation that the Lord had. We're going to look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's account of it. Then we're going to talk about the causes for which a person might betray the Lord. And we're going to apply that to us. We're going to look at ourselves. And then we're going to look at the consequences that follow from that. So now, if you will, I would like for us to look at those four accounts. We're going to look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and each one of them has a little bit different perspective. They add a word or two here or there that helps give us a fuller picture of what is taking place. Let's look now, first of all, at Matthew 26, verses 20 through 22 again. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now, as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. And each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? We'd probably put it, is it me? Am I going to be the one who is going to do this? When I get to Mark's account, Mark chapter 14, Mark's record says, And they began to be sorrowful, and say to him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? He answered and said to them, It is one of the twelve who dips with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goes as it is written of Him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for him that he had never been born. Now Luke's account, Luke 22, verse 21. And behold, the hand of my betrayer is on the table with me. And truly the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Then they began to question among themselves. Which of them it was who would do this thing? Now John's account. John chapter 13 verses 21 through 26. When Jesus had said these things. He was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask who it was of whom he spoke. Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon Now, for just a few moments, I'd like for us to take these four accounts. I'd like for us to look at them, the context of them. I'd like for us to look at comparing them to one another and see if we see something found here. The whole event troubled Jesus in the spirit. I want you to imagine, here is the Lord looking at the twelve closest men to Him on the face of the earth and knowing that one of them is going to betray Him to His death and all of them will turn their back on Him. You've got to know how troubling that was. None of us like to be betrayed. None of us like to feel like someone that was close to us turns their back on us. But there's more than this. Jesus is going to die, and he knows that. The disciples were exceedingly sorrowful. I can't tell you how difficult it was on Friday morning to have my sister say to me, they've said, he's not going to last the day. One of the things that is the most common phrase that I have heard is, Oh, but he's so young, only 37 years old. The Lord was 33 years old. And the Lord was going to die at the hands of murderers. He is revealed to these 12 men in just a few hours, I'm going to be gone. John 13 is such a sad, sad picture of the Lord having to say to them, I'm going to have to go through and suffer many things at the hands of the chief priests and the scribes. When you hear words like that, it saddens you. But then you hear the words, one of you, one of you twelve It's going to betray me. And you look and you say, do I have that kind of heart? And Luke's account says, they were perplexed and they said, who would do such a thing? Now folks, that's a significant question. Who would betray the Son of God? Our Lord, our Savior, Who would turn their back on Him and do things like that? The Lord had been so good to them. He had provided for every need they had. He had lived a life of perfection in front of them. He had shown them the way to go. And the Lord had proved Himself to be that Son of God by the miracles that He had performed And by the fulfilling of prophecies, and it makes me think of Peter's statement back in John chapter 6, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ. There's nobody else to whom you can go. Who would do such a thing? And the answer is only a person who loves something more than the Lord. A person who loved things like money. In John chapter 12 verse 6. When Jesus had been anointed with a very precious ointment. Judas complained that it should have been sold. And the money given to the poor. And John records this he said. Not that he cared for the poor. But because he was a thief. And had the money box. And because he used to take what was put in it. You see, it's only when something is more important to people than the Lord that they would do such a thing as that. Now the Lord said, the one who is going to betray me is the one who, having dipped, would be given a piece of bread. Whenever I read scripture, I always try to think about the way to express it in our modern language. And you know, I have seen people betrayed. And in our society today, somebody would say, but you ate at my table. You ate my food. You sat there with me and you were my friend. The intimacy here of taking a piece of bread and dipping it and then giving it to someone indicates the closeness but then the account say, But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man had he never been born. You think about your life being so worthless. In fact, not just worthless, but your life being so bad that it would have been better if you had never been born. For most of us, we can't say that. I can think of a few people in history that it had been great if they had never been born. Adolf Hitler wouldn't have been great if that man had never been born. Six million Jews killed at his insistence. Judas Iscariot probably wishes he had never been born. You can see many things within the conversation between the Lord and His apostles, but there's something that each of them did. Each of them asked the question, Lord, is it I? Why did they each ask that question? It's because every one of them knew that deep down within them, they had the potential to betray the Lord. They were susceptible to all kinds of trials and temptations that might cause them to do that. And do you know what the reality is? There's a reason for preaching this lesson this morning. is because every one of us is susceptible to betraying the Lord. And we ought to ask the question, Lord, is it I? For just a few moments, let's talk about some causes. You know, this lesson would be meaningless if we didn't try to find some application in it. If we didn't try to say, is it possible that, Tony, that you could betray the Lord? And if I could, what kind of things might cause me to do that? Let's look at a few of them. Some betray the Lord for their family. Now I don't think I would need to explain to you what happens many times. But here's a, a man and his wife or his hus- her husband is basically putting them in a quandary. Either you continue to serve the Lord or you be my husband or you be my wife. I've seen many times when parents would favor their children above what the Lord says. Justify their behavior. You know, as we explore Scripture, in Matthew 10 and verse 37, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. The truth is, is the Lord has to have first place in our lives. Yes, we've got an obligation to our husbands, our wives, our children, our parents, our brothers, our sisters. But our first allegiance must be always to the Lord. Let me give you an example. In the Old Testament, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, Eli was the high priest. Eli was himself a man who had tried to serve God. But he had some sons, and they were serving as priests. And what they were doing is the sacrifices that were being brought to the altar to the Lord, instead of them being boiled and then the flesh being taken out, as whatever the hook would bring out, they were taking and saying, no, you're not going to roast it, you're not going to boil it, you're going to give it to me and I'm going to take it. These young men also were committing fornication at the door of the Lord's house. And I want you to listen to the rebuke found in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Then the man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest before, to offer upon my altar to burn incense and to wear the ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? Why did you kick at my sacrifice and off my offering which I have commanded in my dwelling place to honor your sons more than me and to make yourselves fat with the best of the offerings of Israel, my people? Why did you put your sons higher than me, Eli? Was it not enough of what I have done for you? Eli honored his children more than he honored God. In 1 Kings 11 and verse 3, talking about Solomon, and he had 700 wives, princes, 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. When it says he was old, his heart was not like his father David's. Sometimes, People betray the Lord for their family. Sometimes people betray the Lord for fear. They're afraid what other people will say about them. They're afraid what other people will do to them. I would suggest to you that was the primary motivation for the apostles turning their backs on the Lord. In Luke twelve four and 5, Jesus said, And I say to you, my friends... Do not be afraid of those who will kill the body. And after that they can do no more or no more they can do. But I will show you to whom to fear. Fear him who after he is killed has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say you fear him. In Matthew 24 verses 9 and 10 the Lord knew that after his departure within the generation of those people would occur a very trying day the city of jerusalem would be destroyed that's what matthew 24 is talking about and the events leading up to that were going to be very challenging for christians he says they will deliver you up to tribulations and kill you you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake and then many will be offended and betray one another and will hate one another you see, fear was going to cause people to be betraying. In Revelation 2.10, Do not fear the things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison and that you may be tested. You will have tribulation ten days, but be faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. A third reason why some people betray the Lord is for money finances I want you to turn to John chapter 21 verses 15 through 17 and we're going to read that section we're going to key on the word more than these so when they had eaten breakfast Jesus said to Simon Peter Simon son of Jonah do you love me more than these now I'm going to pause for just a moment more than these do you love me more than the rest of these apostles do that could be one interpretation do you love me more than these do you love me more than these than you love the others that's an interpretation that's possible but several of the commentators point out that they had just been fishing They had just caught fish come in from the night. So they had prepared the fish and they had eaten breakfast. And then the Lord would look at Peter and says, do you love me more than these, these fish? And you say, well, that doesn't make sense. But read on. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lamb. What is Peter going to go back to? Is he going to go back to that occupation which he had previously employed in, that of fishing? Or is he going to go into the new profession the Lord had trained him for, and that is fishing for men? Because, you know, the Lord said, now, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, tend my sheep. Peter's got another job to do. You see, sometimes we really do have to make a choice. Am I going to focus on serving God or am I going to focus on what I can make out of life? In 1 Timothy 6, 9, For those who desire to be rich fall into a temptation and a snare and a many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from their faith in greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now very quickly, I'd like to focus on the consequences. I believe things turned out worse than Judas thought they were going to. We're going to look at the text to find that out. If you look at Matthew 26, verses 14 through 16, you see the bargain that Judas made. Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot Went to the chief priest and said, What are you willing to give of me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time he sought an opportunity to betray him. What's the price of the Lord? They made an agreement 30 pieces of silver. That's how much he's worth. You give me 30 pieces of silver, I'll give him to you. Let's go over to Matthew 27 now, verses 3 through 5. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. I want you to ask a question. What did he think would happen? Did he think that perhaps the chief priests and scribes would take Jesus and scourge him and beat him? Was that worth 30 pieces of silver? But he seeing him condemned to death now became remorseful. That's not worth 30 pieces of silver. And he recognizes the mistake that he made. But he's got to live with the consequences. He's betrayed the Lord. The Lord's going to die now and he's the cause of it. When we betray the Lord, what do we think happens? Do you believe that Judas realized that his name would forever be etched in the history of man as being the great betrayer? Never do you hear someone naming their little child Judas. And certainly not Judas Iscariot. We don't want that. Judas's name is forever marked. What do we think when we betray the Lord? I want you to listen to the writer of the book of Hebrews. For it is impossible for those who have been once enlightened and tasted of the heavenly gift and partakers of the Holy Spirit and tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. When I go out and I choose to betray the Lord for whatever reason, for family, for finances, for uh, fear, whatever reason, and I betray Him, what have I done? What are the consequences of it? Let me tell you, Verse 6 says, if they fall away again, it is impossible to renew them and get to repentance. Folks, for some, some people, once you cross the line of no return, do you realize you can't come back? I remember the first time visiting Niagara Falls. Driving above the falls, there used to be a sign there, point of no return. You get to that place... The boat that you're in, the motor that's in it does not have enough power to overcome the current. And you're going over the falls. Some people don't realize they play with sin, they betray the Lord, and they think they can come back from it. And they can't. And he says they crucify again to themselves the Son of God and they put Him to an open shame. People don't realize The shame that's going to follow them. The shame that they brought on the Lord and the shame they brought on themselves. Oh, but it's just a little sin. I'm just stealing a little money. I'm just committing a little fornication. And forever their names are etched as those who are sinners chapter 10 verse 29 of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the son of God underfoot counted the blood of the covenant with which he was sanctified a common thing and has insulted the spirit of grace you think it's okay to do that to the Lord we view Judas' actions as despicable how do we treat our own? Listen to Romans 2 verse 3. Or do you think this old man, you who judge those who practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? We look at Judas and we say, Judas, you betrayed the Lord. You deserve what you got. Let's be careful. Because in condemning Judas and when we betray the Lord, we deserve the same thing it's important that we ask the question, Lord, is it I? Am I the one who is going to betray you? Am I going to be the one who is going to turn my back on you to sell out? We should never be ashamed of our Lord. I know the world today looks at people who are Bible believers, God-fearing folks, and says, you folks are crazy. You folks are bigots. You folks are following an old-fashioned, old-time, antiquated religion. But Jesus is still the Son of God. He is still on the throne in heaven. And He will still be the judge of men. In fact, in Mark 8, verse 38, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words and this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and with his holy angels. We dare not turn our backs. We should never bargain away our Lord. If the message of the cross cannot move you, you cannot be moved. If the message of God's word cannot touch and tender your heart, your heart's too hard. I'd hate to know that I stood on the day of judgment and had an opportunity such as this. Where there are literally hundreds of people gathered wishing good, wishing that you would respond to the gospel call. We're going to sing this song. And if you're not a Christian, if you will, come to the front. We'll let you confess your faith in Christ. Let you be baptized for the remission of your sins. If you're a child of God and you're carrying around that baggage of sin, like the song said, burdens are lifted at Calvary, we can pray to our loving, merciful God, and He will answer and forgive. Would you come while we stand and sing?